Well, welcome back to Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm your host, Dan Capril, and today is a special edition because we don't normally have guests. And, um, you know, I, I think we should have guests because I think some of you may be getting a little bit tired of hearing from me all the time. But I, I get particularly excited when I'm sharing with you ideas that are about your life and not about your portfolio or your taxes. I mean, look, that's important. And the show is called Solving the Financial Puzzle. But look, at the end of the day, I mean, this sounds cliche, but at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you have and all that. It's about what did you do with your life? So whether you have 6% or 7%, does it really matter? No, it really doesn't. So I always talk about living a life without regrets. And if you think about the, it's often referred to as the Dickens question. You know, if you could be like a Scrooge and you could suddenly see the last day of your life. You know, if you remember, Scrooge thought he was seeing the last day of his life as the ghost of Christmas future, Christmas to come, took him to his gravestone. And so suddenly now Scrooge is filled with all this regret, all this remorse. And he now lives, wishes he could go back. And of course he does that. So today we have a guest who's an expert on making sure you do it right. Alison Little. Her first book, Life Under Construction, Designing a Life You Love, just recently released. Allison, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dan. Now, listen, great book here. I, I tease Allison because I tell her, look, I've read every single self-help book and how to set goals that's ever been uh, written. And so it's rare to be candid with you, Allison, that I would find one that was different enough that I'd say, I definitely want this person to, to come. So you've done a great job of not just copying what else is out there. So uh, look, this is never an easy thing to do to write a book. So take us through, you know, what inspired you to do this? You know, what motivated you to say, okay, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to write this book on this topic of designing the life you love. Perfect. Well, I, about two years ago, I had a whole bunch of life changes coming to me. I had a, a baby preterm, I was on this mission to grow myself both personally and professionally. We had just moved to a new city. I was building a new house. We were rebranding our business. Mm. Just a whole bunch of different things happened. And I remember talking to one of my friends and saying, you know, I feel like my life is literally and figuratively under construction. Everywhere I look, even where I drive, when we're driving to the office, there are construction signs up. And so I felt like I needed to write this book because as I was going through all of this construction in my life and I, as I was experiencing all this change, what I realized is that I had lessons coming to me. And those lessons came either in the form of books or in the form of people. And I really wanted to be able to share those lessons with other people. And so I started writing them down because I thought, you know, if I don't write this down, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And so I started writing them. And after, you know, after writing and writing and writing for almost a year and a half, I had the opportunity to see the best-selling author, Seth Godin, speak down in Orlando, Florida. And mm -hmm. I was listening to him and I'm sitting there and he's talking about how we have to be ourselves and how we have to share our message and how there's people out there that want to hear what you have to say and they want to hear your story just the way that you have to say it. And so I was thinking, I'm going, oh my gosh, I have an entire book on my computer that I'm too scared to share with anybody. And then I, I thought, you know, I need to ask Seth something. And so I got up in front of 500 different speakers. I said, hey, Seth, what do you think I should do? And he said, just do it. Finish the book. 
Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I, I think he's right. And I got back from that. And I was, I was determined to finish the book because I knew somebody needed it, even if it was one person that it, mm -hmm. it might help somebody. Well, it, it's funny because I always like to joke with clients that when they come see me for the first time, you know, I'll ask them what I think is a very simple question, but I think for them, it's the most difficult question of all, which is, well, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? So share with us a little bit about how the exercises in the book and, and really the whole approach of the book is designed to help you answer that question, one, and then obviously create an action plan to do it. Right. And that's the thing that I found as I was writing the book is I had questions that I was asking myself on different topics. For example, I was going through a lot of change and I found that there was this change chart that was so interesting to me and it actually charted the different emotions that you, you go through when you're experiencing a, a change in your life. Right. And I would look at that every day when I was going through all these changes and it would help me because I said, okay, you know, if I get through this paralyzed stage, then I'm going to start feeling better and it's going to start going in the right direction. And so I, as I was going through that, I had questions I was asking myself and I'm like, I need to share these with the readers because these are questions maybe they're experiencing a change in their life they can ask themselves these exact same questions and they can have more clarity around what they think about change maybe they're like me and hate change because that's where I was at when I started this whole process mm -hmm. or maybe they're you know they're at they're experiencing different emotions and they can kind of identify where they're at and just having that knowledge of where you're at in your life depending on you know what you're going through there's different things that you can ask yourself and that'll give you clarity about what you need to do next and maybe maybe just what that next step is and so that's where that's what the activities are really meant to do is kind of help them in whatever area that they're they're working through and give them some direction. So if I'm trying to do that and you write about bucket lists, how would you recommend I go about organizing that process? I mean, should I just sit there with a with a blank screen and, and just write whatever comes to my mind, or should I should I break it into certain sections, certain areas of my life that'll help me develop a little bit more clarity? Just from a more practical standpoint, what would Perfect. be some of the things you'd recommend somebody? Some of the things. Perfect. Well, writing your bucket list is such an awesome topic. And that was one of the things that I was very interested in. And so I actually reached out to somebody that's an expert at this. And her name is Annette White. And she wrote the book, Bucket List Adventures. And she actually shared an entire chapter in my book. And she talked about some questions you can ask yourself. Uh, for example, like, where in the world would you like to visit? If you had one month to live, what would you do? What types of new foods would you try? What are cultural traditions you're interested in? And a whole bunch of other questions. And so by answering those questions, you can start to create that list of things that you want to do in your life. And it might be small things. And the one thing that I like to caution people on is that, we think that, like, for example, a bucket list has to be 50 things in order for it to be a bucket list. It only needs to be one thing. Yeah. We need one thing on that list, and we need to go out and do it and, and take action on that. It doesn't need to be 50 things. If it's 50 things that you're never actually going to do, then that's not worth the time or the effort. But if it's one thing that you really, really, really want to do that's going to impact your life or excites you, that's the thing that you need to focus your energy on. A lot of times we put too much effort into creating these huge lists for ourselves and we never get to them because we've just yeah. put all of our energy doing the list rather than actually doing what we want to do. Well, and then that's a key point about doing what you want to do and not what you think you should do. So for example, all this whole bucket list came because it was a movie called The Bucket List and these guys are doing crazy stuff like jumping out of airplanes and stuff like that. And, and none of that appeals to me. There may be some people out there that it does, but... I think most people don't 
love to leave their comfort zone. I think there's plenty of things we can do within our comfort zone, although clearly there are sometimes there are things that are out there. But one of the things that I find is that I think there's this, there's a sense that, okay, I'm getting ready to retire, so I, I should travel. Well, there's no rule that says you should travel. But I think that last question, that one of those questions you brought about, what if you found out you only had one month to live? I guess we'd have to qualify that. You found out you only had one month to live and you weren't depressed about it. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because I think most people would be, it'd take them three weeks before they'd be like, okay, I got one week left. What, what should I do? But maybe it's like, like the Scrooge type thing. You know, what would ha- be the things that would have to happen in your life so that you could go back and say you've lived a life without regret? And that's a mindset. How about as far as, do you think it makes sense to break it up between, say, family, financial, adventure, spiritual? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I like to do as well is um, my husband, who is a very analytical person, I told him about this bucket list thing and he kind of, he's like, really? I don't think so. That's not going to work for me. And I said, no, let's let's do it. Just give me, you know, give me an hour on a Sunday. We're going to sit down. We're going to do this. And so what we did is we sat down with a board, we each had a board, and we broke it down into six different sections. We had goals, faith, family, fitness, fun, and finances. And in each one of those sections, we, we cut out pictures from the internet or we wrote down words of things that we wanted in that area of our life. And then what we did, and it wasn't too many things, right? Because you can't fit too much in there. We wanted to just make it actionable, things that we were really passionate about doing and having in our lives. And now we put it, I have it in my office and he has it in our bedroom, in our master bedroom, and we can look at it every single day. And just that process in itself has helped us to not just think about maybe money goals, but thinking about what we want our entire life to look like and how how we can help people and how we can add value to people. And through that process, we've had so many more opportunities coming to us because now we're not just thinking about money, we're thinking about what impacts we can have in our life and who are we going to help and what do we want to do and what do we want our lives to mean. And I think that is so much more meaningful than just just the dollars. At least for me, it was. Well, yeah, it is because I think sometimes there are certain goals we can achieve and then be disappointed afterwards because we never really thought about why. We never thought about... What was our reasoning, you know, behind it? I mean, is it all expression, you know, that, you know, money can't buy happiness, but most people, you know, they'll give it a shot. But the the truth of the matter, though, is you do have to have purpose behind it. Otherwise, again, ask yourself, you know, why are you, why are you even bothering to do this? In the book, you, you talk about the mistakes that people make when they're setting goals. Can you share with us some of those? Absolutely. So this is something that I learned in my book and I I learned it from a mentor of mine named Paul Martinelli. And he's an amazing man and he actually was a high school dropout. So when I heard these from him, I was thinking to myself, what would he know about mistakes in goal setting? Well, obviously he knows a lot because he has built multiple multi-million dollar businesses, He is the founder of the John Maxwell team, and it has over 16,000 members on 140 different countries. So I was like, okay, I'll listen to this. And like Dan, I read goal-setting books all the time. I'm a self-help junkie. I just, I love this stuff. But I had never heard mistakes in goal-setting like this before. So the first one that I read was setting goals we know we can achieve. And a lot of times in our lives we do this because we think back to our past and we compare where we're at right now to our past achievements. And we think, oh, I can do this. You know, I can go a little bit further than I did last year. And right. so I'll set it a little bit. I won't go too far, maybe 10% more or whatever it is. 
And rather than setting that goal that's crazy and audacious and huge and thinking, oh my gosh, I just got out of my comfort zone and I did something amazing and I can't believe I did that. Mm-hmm. And Paul says that you really should really think about where you're going to go and, and setting those goals outside your comfort zone because that's really where you want to be. The second stake in goal setting is setting goals based on a fixed plan. So at one of my jobs, I was in charge of creating strategic plans for a nonprofit. In the strategic plans, everything needed to fit into that measurable result, and it was just very focused on details. And we had a lot of ideas that came out of, out of meetings, and they were awesome goals that we could have gone after, but we threw them out because we thought they did not fit into this specific plan. Well, don't we do that in our lives all the time where we're, we've got this specific plan in our head of where we're going to go and what we're going to do, but then we have this crazy goal come into our head and we think, that's really awesome, that's so exciting, but it doesn't fit into my current plan, so I need to just throw it out. Mm. That's a mistake in goal setting because that awesome, crazy thing, that could be exactly where you need to go and it could be exactly what you need in your life right now, right? Yeah, you hear that a lot. The, people try to prioritize things on a timeline. And suddenly something even better comes up and they feel like I can't do that until I complete this other goal, which I think is such a mistake because, I mean, let's face it, folks. I mean, especially for those of you who are retired, we, we, we all know life is finite. And I think you owe it to yourself to, as new opportunities come up, to reassess the priority list. Yeah, you may not get them all done. You may not have enough money to get them all done, let alone time and health. But if something comes along you hadn't even thought of before, or maybe there was a new person that's now entered in your life like grandchildren or something like that. And that suddenly has reassessed the priorities. Life's not linear. You need to make those adjustments. Okay, what else do we have as far as mistakes? The third mistake in goal setting is believing a goal isn't real if we don't know exactly how to to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I know that was one of the biggies for me because I wanted to be able to set that goal for myself and I wanted to know each and every step on how to get there. Yeah. What I recognized when I was reading this and and thinking about it is that a lot of times we do, we want absolute clarity before we'll go out and do that next thing that we want to do in our lives, but that's not how goals work. Yeah, it's not the way life works either. Life is, there's so many moving parts and complexities and sometimes the way you might reach that goal, I have found is someone new shows up in your life that you you didn't know they were going to be there. But you're right. If you get so caught up with how that's going to happen, you can almost talk yourself out of even trying to do it. And that's the beauty of letting the creative force within your own mind take over where you don't have to be so caught up with how it's going to happen. I mean, be practical. I always tell people, look, the sun will never rise in the West, right? But there's so many things in our life that we just have to believe we can do it. I mean, don't you agree that too often people just don't believe that either they're worthy of it or that it could happen to them, even though you see examples all the time of other people having achieved the very same goal with far less talents. Right. You know, I I always say you want to feel better about yourself. I know this is terrible, but it's true. If you want to feel better about yourself, go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Seriously. You think you have problems? Even if you're not a drinker, you will leave that meeting going, I can do anything. <laughs> you will. Well, sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of that as you go forward. Don't get caught in it. I love that one because I think in my life, I've had some good opportunities happen that they were goals, but I never could have thought one second about how they were going to be achieved. Sounds Absolutely. Good. That's so yeah. true. That's so true. 
Any other mistakes? Yeah. The fourth mistake in goal setting is questioning the, the right to do, be, or have what you want. And you just alluded oh, to that. So that was really yeah. great because who am, I, who am I to want this, huh? Right. Who am I? I don't deserve that. We call that, we call that in my family, old school Catholic guilt. As well. <laughs> so or, yeah, I just, I just, I can't or whatever those negative thoughts are that. Yeah, I don't deserve that. Or, right. Yeah. And all so, this, we put such self limits sometimes on ourselves. It's so well, important. I know. And that's exactly. And, and the reason that we do that is we just are, you know, self-sabotaging ourselves, but we can be and have whatever we want in our lives. You or I, we're not better than each other. We're just, you know, right. us, right? Right. And so as I recognized that, I was like, oh, so I don't have to compare myself to the neighbor next door because their lives and my life, we're completely different. We want different things. We are going to achieve different things. We have different experiences. That's okay. That's perfectly well, okay. You know, if you think about it, I mean, I'll give you another example. As I, I was telling Allison beforehand, I was up in her neck of the woods. She lives in central Wisconsin. And I was playing golf up there with um, six other people, seven other people. And by far, I was probably one of the worst golfers of the group. And, and that's simply because I didn't start playing the game until I was 25. Now I was a fairly athletic kid pretty much only played basketball. And when I talk to people, with few exceptions, there are some people just blessed, they can do anything in life. But a lot of it is the time that somebody puts towards something creates the outcome that they have. So as one friend said to me once when I was bemoaning the fact that I, I wasn't playing well, he said to me, he goes, what right do you have to play well? And he go, what do you mean? He says, have you really ever put in that much work? And I was like, you know, you're right. Now, he said, there's other things in your life you do pretty darn well. That's because you do them all the time. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, dang, who thought I was going to get wisdom for that? But he was right, you know? So sometimes when we get to this issue of, you know, I'm not worthy or I can't do it, just understand, very few of us, I mean, really, a very small amount of people are born with the, the abilities to do just about anything. With everybody else, it's, well, how did you choose to spend your time? And you know what? As long as you have time, you can redirect it towards that area and you can achieve what you want to achieve. You just have to be mindful of that. I always like to point out, years ago, I got to see Dan Jansen, the, the Olympic speed skater, speak. And, and sadly for Dan Jansen, he's known more for falling than he is for how great he was as a speed skater because he only has one gold medal to show for it, but it was his last race because he had basically been cursed by the Greek gods, so to speak, to have every bad thing happen to him. But he, he made this one point, which always stuck with me. He says, he says you know, when you win the gold medal, everybody – looks at that and they think, wow, that's great, man. How lucky you are that you're able to do that. And he says, what they never saw was all the hours in the off season doing this and that and this to get myself ready for that. And he's from Wisconsin as well. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, like inline skates, he goes, we had those before any kid ever had them. And he says, so, you know, Wisconsin, it's cold part of the year, but a lot of the years it's not. And we just had to keep training. And, and people forget that. People forget the little things you have to do. So when you're having doubts about an ability to achieve a goal, just understand anyone who's achieved it probably had to put in a lot of time to get to there too. And sometimes the time we put into it can create a level of confidence as possible. Absolutely. And that alludes to the, the final mistake in goal setting. So can I share that yeah, with you? Yeah, no, please do. Okay, I'm going to. As people know on this show, I tend to just take over. So just tell me to shut up. No, <laughs> so the fifth mistake in goal setting is thinking the purpose of the goal is reaching the goal itself. Um, and this is my favorite myth because goals are important, but achieving them isn't the true purpose behind them. When you're reaching a goal, you realize that and you reach it and you're, you're there, you realize something happened within you. You grew to the person that could achieve that goal. 
Yeah. And that's what I love the most because as we're setting these goals and they're outside our comfort zone and we're wondering, you know, the how to get there yeah. and we reach it and we look back and we think and we reflect and we realize that through that whole process, we were building ourselves into that person. And, and that's the neat thing about goals is that you can do, be, and have whatever you want in your life. If you put that intentional effort toward that goal, you can do it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's great. The thing that they really like about Allison's book is there's a lot of exercises. So it's not one of these things where you just read it and you put it down. I mean, you could do that, but you, there'd be a mistake. You're actually being tasked to complete exercises as you go forward. Now, understand the reason that we accumulate wealth should be to do something with it. Accumulating it just for accumulation's sake, I don't know who you're serving. I really don't. And, and I try very hard to only work with clients who have real purpose for that, you know, true purpose for their money, you know, not just money for money's sake. Because in the end, look, folks, we're all dust and you don't get to take it, you know, with you when you go. Just here in a close, I want to get back to just some of the more practical things that you put in there. Describe, if you don't mind, some of the exercises that you have in your book that you encourage people to do so that, again, we're trying to build the life that, that we want. You know, Allison's acknowledging the fact that all of us are a work in progress. All of us have a life that's under construction. You're not just going to necessarily get what you want by just thinking about it. You have to be more deliberate. And when someone's talking to me about retirement, one of the first things I'll ever say to them is, okay, well, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do when you no longer have to go to meetings anymore? You no longer have to answer anybody's phone calls. You don't have to read email. Every day can be Saturday. What are you going to do? So if you don't mind, just give us a little insight on some of the exercises. And I'm putting her on the spot here because this was not one of the questions I told her I was going to ask. So, But you know, the, the best answer to this, Allison, is, well, if you get a copy of the book, you'll know exactly. Right? That is the best answer. That would be <laughs> one the best or two, answer, One or two. We don't need them all. Just one. I just, yep. Okay. So I, at the end of the chapter called Use Your Imagination to Dream Bigger, I have some questions that I think would pertain to somebody that's maybe, you know, entering retirement or is maybe changing a career, some big change is happening in their life. So one of the questions is, where would the most awesome place be to live? How would I look, act, or feel if I was the best version of myself? How could I help others? How can I do more? How can I do better? And then just thinking about what it is that you want to create in your life and thinking about what it is that you're really uniquely gifted at Mm -hmm. and, and putting your effort towards those things in order to help specific people. Because maybe in your career, you were very passionate about teaching. Now you're in retirement and you're thinking, well, I'm not a teacher anymore, but you still have that within you, right? You just spent how many years of your life and there's probably other people out there that could use what you have learned through all of those years of teaching yeah. and how you can, you can serve people, even if it's not on a full-time basis, it's just, you know, part-time, but you're still using those gifts that you have within you to help other people. Or maybe you had, you had a business and now you go out and you mentor people in starting businesses, whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily matter. But the fact is that you're taking what you have within you and you're serving others through that process, through helping others, that's really where you're going to find true fulfillment and you're going to find happiness and you're going to be able to design a life you love. You know, I, I talk a lot about the fact that done properly, my job in working with clients takes on the role, I think it's an overly used term, but it probably is applicable here of more of a coach than it is an advisor. And what I mean by that is I know that no human 
is wired logically. We're all wired emotionally. You know, it's funny because the most logical people usually turn out to be the most emotional. They just, they just won't admit it. But understand that when it comes to matters of personal finance, logic usually wins. Logic prevails. Buy low, sell high. You know, it, it, that's usually what happens. And so we are constantly battling the fact that life doesn't happen linear. And sometimes our personal finances seem to be going in the wrong direction because life's not linear. When in truth, they may be just the way it works. You know, it's going to go up and down, up and down, up and down, and you're never going to be able to predict those things out. However, if you have a focus in your life about things that you're truly passionate about, and now the purpose of your money is to let you do those things, I think it helps you get through the, the more anxious moments that we have. I mean, let's face it, we, we live in a very anxious world. I mean, as we're recording this today, we're, we're hours away from just a horrible tragedy. But life goes on, and we have to remind ourselves and keep the focus of that as we go forward. So I've acquired 10 copies of Allison's book, Life Under Construction, and I would love to send it to you. So if you're interested, first 10 listeners who reach out to me, you just remember, send me an email, dan at matsonincapril.com, or you can go to our website, matsonincapril, and um, just click on the box where it says, Ask Dan, and just say, I want the book. And as long as we have your contact information, we will gladly... Um, mail you out a copy of the book. For those of you who work with us, we will have Allison come to Cincinnati. I haven't told her that, but she's going to come. <laughs> Speak to all of you. We have to give her a little bit of time, but when she feels she's ready to leave the nest, we'll bring her down from the frozen tundra of Wisconsin to uh, Cincinnati, and we'll have her speak at, at one of our many um, client events where she can go further and share with you, you know, not only the importance of, of having a strategy for your life that goes beyond just the money, but really, how do you do it? You know, how do you craft that out? And, and how do you understand that it has to be your personal thing? Look, we all have limitations. I mean, the, the goals I set for myself when I'm 80, if I'm still alive at 80, are not the same goals I'm going to be setting with myself here at 54. And so we have to recognize that as well. But those of you who will take the time to do that, you are going to have a much, much happier life. So, Allison, I want to thank you for... Uh, for being a part of our show today. You're a great addition for it. Again, it's Life Under Construction, Beginning a Life You Love, Allison Little. And uh, you can get this book on Amazon. And uh, Allison, if, if our, our listeners have any questions or, or want to reach out to you personally, how, what would be the best way for them to do that? Perfect. Well, thank you first off, Dan, for having me. I appreciate this. And I appreciate all of the listeners on the line. I appreciate um, you taking the time to learn about the book. If you want to reach me, um, just go to my website, allisonlittle.com, and that's Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, little, L-I-D-D-L-E.com, or connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I appreciate hearing from people, and I want to be able to serve other people, and so just please reach out to me and ask questions. Whatever I can do to help you would be great. So thanks again. I appreciate all this. And thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Next week, we'll have a far less exciting topic because it'll probably just be me talking to you about money again, but we will bring on more guests as we go forward. So until next time, I'm Dan Capril, and thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle.
Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of NPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.